always praise God for good reports. Amen. Amen. Well, this morning's message, the title of this morning's message is um, Don't Lose God on the Mountain. And uh, we're going to talk about going through valleys of decision here this morning. But if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Exodus chapter 32, verse 19. Exodus chapter 32, verse 19. Don't lose God on the mountain. On the mountain. You know, um, life has its seasons. Uh, some are up and some are down. But, you know, that's a normal part of life. It's a normal part of going through life. You're going to have ups and you're going to have downs. And uh, along the way, I think, you know, we, we, we forget sometimes that the Christian life is no different. We should expect ups and downs in our Christian life, spiritual mountains and spiritual valleys. And the mountains can be those tough times to climb and valleys are those sometimes long uh, you know, desperate times that we get to. And sometimes we get to that mountain and we don't even want to come down because we've had that moment with God. We're like, oh, God, I don't want to leave this time. This is a good season in my life. God, I don't take me to the next one, right? Uh, or sometimes I think we, we get these awesome experiences with God and, and we miss the whole point, really, of why He has given them because we weren't prepared to go through the next season, the next situation in our lives. And uh, these valleys come to us and we would rather not go through them or we'd not, we don't know how to get through them. But we're going to talk this morning of how the Christian life is a journey. And it's a journey meant to be gone on by faith and through the power of the Holy Spirit. It's a journey with Christ that we go through by faith and through the power of the Holy Spirit. And we should expect that God is going to be with us, uh, the Lord our shepherd, from mountain through valley into mountain. Again, we're going to talk about that. That ebb and flow this morning. And how do you go with God? Uh, he's the Lord, your shepherd, and go with Him from a mountaintop experience and a moment with God down through the valleys of life and then back up to that mountain again. So let, just as you're there at Exodus chapter 32, verse 19, I'm going to kind of give you a, uh, an introduction. We're going to talk about three problems crossing our valleys and going back up into our mountains, but three problems going from mountain to valleys in uh, mountains. What is a mountain? Okay, in the ancient world, mountains. Everybody knows what a mountain is. You get a picture of it on the screen there. But mountains are these. Uh, there, and if you go back into, if you go to Israel, and or if you go get to go into the Mediterranean, uh, you see that there's different types of mountains. Some are big, some are small. Sometimes they're just hills. But mountains are always landmarks. There are these places uh, in the ancient world. They were always places where people would go to pray. People would go to worship. They'd build altars there. They were. Uh, Places that could be an obstacle between uh, the different valleys of life. They were uh, sometimes you had to go around a mountain. Sometimes you had to go over it. Sometimes uh, today we go through them. But mountains were these places that everybody knew. Every every hill. If you go to Israel, every hill has a name. Uh, they were landmarks, places of worship and prayer. And oftentimes, when the valleys were dry in the seasons of uh, drought. The mountains created their own atmosphere. Even today, if you go to Mount uh, Everest and different places, uh, different mountains, even in the Galilees, uh, the mountains create their own atmosphere. They have their own different climate because the cloud, the mountains are so high, they affect the atmosphere around them. And mountains are normally wetter and have more vegetation even when the valleys are dry. Now think about that spiritually. Mountains, a spiritual mountain are those places, they are defining moments in your life. 
They are those moments where God and you meet. They are the moments that, even though sometimes they're hard to climb up to and to get to, they're going to be defining moments that you know that was where God met me in that Sunday morning or that Sunday night or at that kid's camp or when I was desperate in prayer or when we were going to the doctor and needing a report, God showed up. That's a spiritual mountain, a defining moment, a place where uh, God met you in a new way. A holy encounter where you met God's glory and power. How many people have had a spiritual mountain in their life before, right? Y'all here this morning? I know it's Memorial Day, but y'all hadn't had the barbecue yet, all right? Okay, they're holy encounters. I need a holy encounter in my life. I don't know about you. But he speaks to us on those mountains. He calls us in his purpose. I remember one mountain in my life is that I was in uh, on Telluride Lane in Columbia, Missouri, uh, on a duplex on it was Party Central Street. That was where my rent house was with my three other roommates. And at seven o'clock in the morning, I think it was a Tuesday or a Thursday, that I was in an hour's worth of prayer before school. And in that moment, I fell to my knees and the Lord spoke to me and told me that he would send me to full time ministry. I remember it. I can I can picture my bedspread was blue. The carpet was brown. You know, like I can I that know that moment where I said, finally, God, this is it. I give up. I'm not going to do life myself. I'm going to give my life completely to you. Past, present and future. I'm yours. Uh, and and those that's a mountain experience. I can remember another mountain experience. My first sermon preaching in Port-au-Prince, Haiti. I know their mountain experience, man, when I got the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Uh, other mountain experiences where God just slain me in the spirit m- multiple times, just knocked me out just because he had to do a work in me. Or when a, a certain pastor spoke things over my life or when uh, they, uh, I just felt the anointing of God come on me at different times when I needed him. God's a mountaintop experiences or when man, you're just driving through the road or, or, or going down and, and you're in a uh, time you're desperately seeking God and he literally shows up and you just feel his presence. You can't help but weep and cry and worship or or shout and dance sometimes maybe in your own bedroom. How many people ever do that before you sometimes God's glory just comes over you and you just feel like uh, letting it out. Those are those mountaintop experiences. And then when you're on top of the mountain, you meet God in that new way. And, and think of it this way. You are elevated to a new spiritual perspective. When you're on top of that mountain, you see things behind you differently than you did before, and you see things ahead of you differently than you did before. You begin to see God's plan. And it's these experiences in our life where we begin to press through. This is part of the Christian road, right? When you begin to say, God, I need to meet you. I need to know, God, why why have I gone through this? God, what's going up next ahead what's coming on and god i've been feeling dry or weary i need to hear a word from you today anybody there amen you i want to say god i want a mountaintop experience with you now in contrast to that there's the valleys valleys are those uh you know sometimes we like to glorify the mountaintops but god was teaching the israelites here that he wasn't just god of the mountain but he's also god of the valley as well and valleys get this are the places between two mountains. You and I are going to live most of our life in the valley. Very few people live on the mountaintops. We call those crazy hermits or someone like that, right? You know, those are those radical people, right? Uh, they're not like the rest of us or something, you know. Uh, they got the long beards. You know, valleys are the places that are between two mountains. And you can expect in your life to go from mountain to valley to mountain again. And some of us today have been in the valley very long time. 
Some of us have just come off the mountain and some of us are about to go up to the mountain again and some of us don't even know where we are. But valleys are those places between two mountains. They have ravines. You go to Israel today, they have ravines, gorges, canyons. Like Louisiana, they got swamps. Maybe you've been in a spiritual swamp for a while. But they also have fertile plains. Valleys are very diverse places and different people in this room today can be in different types of valleys. Sometimes valleys are narrow and dark and lonely and cavernous. That might be your valley today. Sometimes valleys are these dry, open, desert, savanna places. You feel like you are the only one out there and it is blistering hot and you can't take another step. You don't even know which way you're going. You're seeing mirages. You're thinking, should I go that way or should I go that way? God, where are you? And that's somebody in this room today. And then there's, there's other mountains. You just feel like it is sinking quicksand going to take your life away. I cannot get another step forward. I am stuck right here. Sometimes valleys, though, are very fertile places. Some of us today say, well, you know what, Pastor, there's really nothing going on in my life. I'm pretty good. Me and God are good. Family's good. Job's good. Economy's good. Uh, we're blessed. Just looking forward to the hot dogs and barbecue that I'm about to have after I get out of here. You know, like, uh, that's where you are. Uh, and I think a lot of people in America are really probably right there. And they're fertile places. But spiritually, valleys are the places where most people live. In this world today, most people live, travel, and battles are fought. Not on the mountaintops, but battles are fought in the valleys. Spiritual battles are fought in your valleys. Let's look at this a little bit here today. You may be in that impassable circumstance. You may be feeling like you're under the attack of the enemy. But you're going to be surprised that valleys, though, are where most people get their fruit. Most of the food is grown in the valleys. All right, Exodus chapter 32. If you're there with me, say amen. 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 I want to set this up this morning <clears throat> because you're going to have, as we cross these valleys, I want us to understand that God was teaching Israel, like we say in Psalms 23, that He is the Lord my shepherd. I shall not want. He leads me. He restores me. He guides me. Even through the valleys of the shadow of death, I will not fear, for Thou art with me. This, this attitude, this understanding of God is what He was teaching Israel. We're going to give you three things this morning. Number one is coming down your mountains. Coming down the mountain. Let's look with me in Moses. Exodus chapter 32. Here we find Moses has taken the children of Israel out of the promised land. Man, they have had just a mighty mountaintop experience with God. God has uh, just spoken to them uh, verbally the Ten Commandments. They have met at Mount, the, the base of Mount Sinai. Moses now has gone up the mountain. And so if you picture with me, how many people have seen the Charlton Heston movie, The Ten Commandments, probably the best one yet to date that has been made, right? And he goes up the mountain. Man, God speaks the glory of God. Man, the consuming fire is on the top of this mountain and then thunder and lightning have, have, have descended upon it. Moses has gone up there and for 40 days, Moses is up there with God. Joshua and the elders are down at the kind of at the base. Uh, and the people, you know the story, Moses is... is uh, uh, up there and the people say, God, we haven't seen this dude in 40 days, so maybe he's dead or God just consumed him. So we need to make an image in the place of God. We need to make this uh, something to worship because we haven't heard back from Moses yet. So we believe in God, but we want to make an image of him. And so Aaron takes the, the gold from all the earrings and nose rings and whatever they had, throws it in the fire and out comes this calf. And so they begin to worship this calf as if it was God. And God up on the mountain, he says, hey, Moses, 
you need to get back down there, dude. I'm about to kill these people. And he, he, I'm, I'm fisting to kill them. I'm going to use you and your descendants, and I'll start all over. And Moses is like, oh, come on, God, you know, just be merciful. You, why would you bring them out? And everybody else is going to say, hey, God just took these people out of the wilderness just to kill them. And that, God, that's going to ruin your reputation. God, what are they going to think about me? I was the guy that led these people to a mass slaughter, you know, by the Lord. And so God, uh, you know, and God's testing Moses. And God tests Moses to see if he'll be like Christ and intercede for a lost and dying world, right? And so, all right, Moses passed the test. God has written the Ten Commandments in his own finger. He takes those tablets, front and back, both sides, writes the Ten Commandments, which he had already given to them verbally. Gives Moses the Ten Commandments. You know, that had to be heavy. Don't you think that was probably heavy? All right, takes those Ten Commandments, and he, he's walking down the hill. He's like, God, you know, it's okay. Let me go down there. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell them, remind them of what you told me. It can't be that bad, right? Sure enough, what happens? Moses goes down. It says, it says, and he hadn't even, let's read it. Exodus 32, verse 19. It came about as soon as Moses came near the camp that he saw the calf and the dance. I mean, these guys were having a party. And Moses' anger burned. And he threw the tablets from his hand and shattered them at the foot of the mountain. Moses had not yet gotten off his mountaintop experience with God. But what happened? He threw the very written word of God down in his own anger. Now, look at the irony in this. God had told him, I'm going to do it. But Moses goes down there, does the same thing. He said, God, please don't do that. Moses gets the Levites. They begin killing people left and right because the people wouldn't stop partying. He could not get their attention. And so he gets the Levites. They just kill like several thousand people. Isn't that the way it works? You and I have this awesome encounter with God on a revival on Sunday night. Man, God imparts to us His new word in us. Man, it's just this awesome glory, hallelujah, holy roller service. We get out there on Monday morning, sure enough, we meet stupid people, right? I mean, just the ignorance of the world. Man, you lose your temper, and before you know it, you've done broken the word of God yourself. Isn't that how it works? Come on. Anybody work with people? Anybody know people, right? We got people in our lives. All right. Man, that is exactly the way it works. God was imparting to something Moses. Moses, I'm, I'm in, you're in the glory of God for 40 days. And sure enough, you don't even get to the base of the mountain yet, and you just lost it all. Your holy indignation just came right out, you know, when you saw ignorance, right? Man, is not not the way it is with us sometimes? God's trying to do something in your life. God just did something great in your life. You said, God, I'm going to serve you. God, I'm never going to cuss again. And then on Monday morning, sure enough, something happens. Boop, bleep, 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 right? Isn't that how it works? Come on. I've been a pastor at least that long, all right? I've been enough. I've been around the block, right? Or, you know, you, you get, God is going to, you know, God, I've given that forgiveness away, and I'm never going to, yeah, God, I, I just trust in you because you are my forgiveness and you've forgiven me. And then that girl or that dude that has stabbed you in the back 12 times, just Monday morning, there they are at Walmart. You just, you just think, hmm, I know you, right? Right? Right, I know how you are. Don't dare talk to me, you know, and 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 that's how it is. You're just ready to kill him with the sword of the Holy Spirit or something. But man, Moses gets mad. Man, Moses gets mad, and he so God gets mad. Moses gets mad. They kill some people. Don't do that. All right. Then then God says something else. He says, "All right, guys, I'm done. Moses, my presence is going to leave this people. I'm done." 
My angel will go before you. I'll be true to my word because you interceded for these people. My angel will go before you. I'll drive out the enemy, but I, my presence will not go with you. And what is Moses? So Moses takes the people and they leave the mountaintop. They go through the valley and they're in the valley of the Sinai desert. And Moses is there. You know what he says? God, please don't leave me with these people. Anybody ever prayed that before? God, don't leave me alone with these people. Whatever you do, God, it's a family reunion tomorrow. Don't leave me alone with these people, right? And so he's like, God, uh, be merciful. And Moses begins to cry out to God. And he's like, God, how can I go through the valleys that are ahead of us without your presence? Exodus chapter 33, verse 12. And look in verse 14, Exodus 33, verse 14. And God sees mercy on Moses. God favors him. And he says, my presence shall go with you and I will give you rest. Moses prays in verse 18. He says, God, you've got to show me your glory again. He'd had that awesome experience with God. He'd lost something because of the ignorance of people. And he says, God, I can't do this alone. You and I today, man, you're going to have those awesome encounters with God. But every day you get, you can't stay on the mountain. God has called you to go back down into the valley, take the word of God with you into this world. But you're going to, man, there may be a time in your life where you break the word of God, where you falter, where you get angry, you let those things of the flesh come up in you. But in those moments, just like Moses, our goal is to get on our knees and cry out and say, God, show me your glory again. God, I can't do this alone. Don't just send me out here without the presence of the Holy Spirit because, yeah, God, you've got me. God, I don't even have it. And so God says, or Moses says, God, show me your glory. So God says what? All right, stand next to this rock. Good in this little cliff here, and I will walk by you. My presence will go by you, and you'll see the back of me. If you see the front of me, you'll die. But I'll let you see as much of my glory as you can physically handle. How many people would want to have that happen in your life? God, I want to see as much of the glory of God descend upon me in an encounter with the Holy Spirit as I could physically handle. How many people are ready to pray a desperate prayer like that? God, as much as I can physically handle the presence of God, God, give it to me. I, I don't know how desperate we are. Let me just be honest. How really desperate are we for the tangible presence of God in our midst? Man, as much as I can physically handle without dying, God, give that to me. Whew, that's a lot, right? God passes by Moses and he says, all right, now Moses, come back up the mountain. So God was on one mountain of Sinai. They went down to the valley. God, give me your glory again. I can't make it without you today. God, I've broken your word. I'm so sorry. So God shows him his glory, takes him back up to another mountain on the same mountain range, Mount Sinai. He's gone from one mountaintop experience down into the valley, back up again. And God begins to give him another 40 days and 40 nights where he doesn't even eat, drink, probably even sleep. The glory of God is on him so much, he doesn't even need food for 40 days and 40 nights. And then God says, all right, I wrote him the first time, you got to write him the second time. You know what? Sometimes we don't get the lesson the first time. But God in his grace, when you cry out to him, he'll let you go back up to that mountain again. But guess what? It may be a little harder this time. He may not just do it all for you like he did before. Maybe you've got to relearn some things. There are times in our lives we get to these different places. We're on this journey to follow Christ. And he says, I'm trying to teach you about anger. I'm trying to teach you about obedience. I'm trying to teach you about pride. I'm trying to teach you about whatever it is in your life. And you're like, God, I keep failing 
the test. I can't get beyond this point. God is teaching. Man, He's merciful to kind of teach you over and over again. But each time, just know He may not do it the same way. And He may ask more of you. Right? Don't expect God just to keep giving a handout of the glory of God when we keep messing up. God's merciful. He'll take you back over and over again. But sometimes we've got to learn those lessons the hard way. Is that right? You see this? Okay. All right, so Moses has to write them down himself. But guess what? When he goes back down the mountain this time, his face radiates with the glory of God. God is willing to give you the presence of the Holy Spirit that you can take the Word of God into a lost and dying world, into your valleys of life. And if you do break, if you do fall short, if you do throw down the Word of God, and and if you do lose the glory of God, man, He's merciful to take you back up to the next mountain if you'll but get on your knees and say, God, I can't go another step without Your presence. Amen. Amen. They're not always easy to go up these mountains. Sometimes they're lonely but they're going to be worth it. We've got a God who'll feed us spiritually, He'll teach us, He'll prepare us. And our challenge is do not lose, do not let go of the Word of God in your valleys. Do not let go of the Word of God. Hold tight to God's Word. So that's number one. Coming down, be, be ready to come down from your mountaintop experience and begin to walk through the valleys with God's Word in hand and His glory inside of you, His Holy Spirit's presence. But if you do break it, be ready. Get on your knees. He'll take you back up the mountain again, but it may be different this time. But He will go with you if you cry out to Him. Somebody say amen. amen. All right, number two. Let's look at it a different way. Sometimes uh, we got, so there's the problem of coming down the mountain. Okay, now we've got the problem about being in the valley. So here we go. Fast forward just a little bit. Look with me in Exodus chapter 23, verse 20. Or go backwards again. Exodus chapter 23, verse 20. And then hold your finger in Deuteronomy 1. All right, Exodus 23. Here we go. We're up the mountain. Okay, so let's put it on Israel's side. Now we're on Israel's side. Sinai is this great high point. Man, God, and let's just pretend that we're the Israelites now. We've had this awesome time at the Red Sea. We've seen His fire of glory come down the mountain. His verse, voice in thunder, the pillar of cloud by day, the pillar of fire by night, resting upon this tent of meeting. And God has just told us in Exodus 23 and and, and earlier in chapter 19 that He is going to make us a holy nation. He tells us in Exodus 23, He says, hey, my angel's going to go before you. I'm going to destroy the nations ahead of you. And I'm not going to destroy them all at once. I'm going to destroy them one at a time. So trust me. You may not see the whole thing at once. Trust me. One at a time, I'm going to be leading battle ahead of you. Okay? And He says, And that's verse 20. Verse 25, he says, hey, I'm going to bless you in provision. I'm going to heal the sick among you. He says, I'm going to perform miracles that you've never before seen. And if you would but do something, trust and obey me and don't worship any other gods. Can you do that? Trust and obey me. Worship no more gods. I'll send my angel out ahead. Man, I'll heal the sick if you get sick. I'll perform signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth. And my angel is going to go before you nation by nation. Step by step, I'm going to lead you and guide you. Just trust me. Just trust me, all right? Okay, here we are. We get to the edge of the promised land. Maybe you've known this story before. And we get to this place called Kadesh, all right? Um, Not Kadush off of Kung Fu Panda or Skadush or whatever it is, all right? We get to a place called Kadesh, all right? And it's this edge, it's this last spring 
Okay, now follow with me spiritually. It's this last spring in the middle between two wildernesses, all right? So we've left Egypt. We've gone through one wilderness, the valley. We've had our mountaintop experience with God. Going down through one wilderness, and we've got through one wilderness. We've met it at a spring called Kadesh. And ahead of us is another wilderness, another valley. And that's the valley that leads into Canaan, the promised land. And in that valley, near the Dead Sea, man, are some of the biggest ravines you've ever seen. There are sharp, jagged stones. There's a Dead Sea on one side. There's nothing. There's not even a tree. Like the goats don't even eat these leaves, right? There's nothing. There's caves and holes, and it is blinding sun, desert, caves and caverns and hills and mountains. And beyond that valley is a land of the land of the Amorites, the land of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Perizzites and all these people. And there are mountains. So get with you. We've gone through one mountain, through one valley, stopped. We're at the spring. Ahead of us is another barren, barren valley and another mountain. Okay? So we're in the valley between two mountains. And this place, God has said, if you trust me, Moses says to them, and look in Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 23. He says, The Lord your God has placed the land before you. Go up, take possession, don't fear or be dismayed. Look at your neighbor and say, Don't fear. Don't fear. The Lord has placed it before you. Go up and take it. Okay. Man. It's been a long 11 days. It's been 11 days, God, since we've gone through that valley. And God, ahead of us, man, this looks like some rough terrain. And there's a lot of us, God, and how are we going to eat and drink? We're getting gassed up now. I don't know if we're going to have enough gas to make it to the next stop. And we don't even know what lies ahead. But God says, just trust me. My angel's already gone ahead of you. Just trust me. What do they do? They decide we don't know about this. So they get 10, 12 spies. Send the 12 spies out. You've heard this story before. They send 12 spies out. They go. They go through the wilderness, go up to the next mountain, and they begin to see, oh my gosh, what is up there? A bunch of tall men of armor. They were called the mountain men. They were a mountainous, warrior-like people putting heads of people on stakes, the chariots that had the stakes and spikes out the side, and they just run through people and cut their legs off. That's how bad these people were, right? Horrible people. And so 10 of the spies come back and say, no, 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 wait a minute. We need to do something else. These guys are huge. Yeah, it's a great place and all, God, but these guys are huge. And so they come back. The Bible says they made their hearts melt with fear. But Joshua, Caleb, and Moses begin to say, but we've seen God come out of Egypt. We've seen what God has done before. He can do it again. And just listen. Let's follow God. He's already said He's going to go before us. He's drive out the nation. Just trust Him. But they wouldn't. And because of this moment, at this moment, they lose faith in God. The presence of God gets angry again. And God sends them to 40 years in the wilderness. You know what? It would be 40... Uh, in that middle of that 40 years, they would come back and have to come back to Kadesh again to make that decision again. Okay, now listen. You and I today go through valleys of this life. And God has done stuff in your lives before. God has brought many of you out of drugs, alcohol, addiction. He's restored your life from divorce. He's, brought your, he's healed your kids. He's healed your body. He's done many different things. But sometimes we get into these barren places. And maybe you're even stuck at a spring. And he's like, God, I'm holding on to something right now, just getting me through today. But God, I don't know if I can trust you for tomorrow. 
That's how it is sometimes. God, ahead of me is more barrenness. God, I don't know. God, I just need to stay right here. God, can't you just bless me right where I am? Can you just fix my situation right now without me doing anything, God? Can you just help me out here? But God has said, I've called you to something greater. I've called you to do something that you can't even see. You don't even know all the details yet, but I'm going ahead of you. Somebody say amen. What they did not realize is that place that they would set foot on as they would cross from that spring and go into that wilderness and begin to take that mountain, that place would be called the tribe of Judah's territory. And Judah means praise. They were losing out on the praise of God because of their fear and doubt. Sometimes that is how it is in our lives. We lose out on what miracle of praise God wants to do in our life. And that very mountain, that very mountain that those giants lived on, you know what that city is called today? It's called Jerusalem. That is the very place where God desired to build His temple of praise. He was going to take the mountain of giants and make it into the mountain of praise in their life if they would just trust Him. And say, God, I can go through whatever barren place that this valley offers. God, I don't care if there's a giant nation ahead of me. God, I know that you're going to make that mountain of giants or that difficulty or that season in my life, you're going to make it into a mountain of praise. Somebody say amen. God wants to make those places of giants in your life, those places of barrenness. Trust Him that that spring of the Holy Spirit He is filling you with right now is enough to get you through whatever wilderness He's got called ahead of you and that know that His presence goes before you and no matter what thing of the enemy of this world is ahead of us, God is going to make a place of praise for you. Amen. God is going to make a place of prayer and praise for you. Do you trust God for one battle at a time? God, I don't see it. God, I don't see the whole picture. You know it's supposed to. He's only going to drive it out one step. One step. God I, God, I don't know if I can keep... Just take one step. God, you can do it. God, I trust you. You're taking one, you're, God, you're taking me one step at a time towards my place of praise. So we have our coming down the mountain. God, God we've got to be ready to come down the mountain too. We've got our place where we're in our valleys of decision where we're stuck in between a valley, two, two valleys and two mountains. And God, I don't know if I can make it to the next mountain. God, it seems impossible. Let God make your place of praise. Now, the third one is this. Sometimes we think we've made it. Sometimes we think we've made it. Let's fast forward a little bit. Look with me in the book of Joshua. Chapter, uh, look at me in Joshua chapter 14, verse 12. Joshua chapter 14. Here we have, man, Israel has spent their time. They've paid their dues. They've gone 40 years in the wilderness. They are at the Golan Heights, which is a mountainous region on the other side of the Jordan River. And they have uh, conquered that area. Some have settled there. And now they have gone over through the Jordan River, through Jericho. Man, God's part of the waters again. They've taken the city of Jericho. Man, they have gone into the land and they have begun to sell it. Man, they have had a mountaintop experience with God for 40 years. Even though it was a wilderness, God began providing manna and, and, and water and, and quail. And now they've seen the walls of Jericho fall down and they've conquered that side of the land. And now they've gone in. Joshua has begun to settle the land 
and distribute the tribes. But he warns them, God warns them uh, in Numbers 33 and 55, that he warns them, he says, guys, if you do not complete driving out every one of the land I've given you, they will become pricks in your eyes and thorns in your side. That's where Paul takes that verse, a thorn in my side. It means that the enemy is still in your, in your area. He's not completely dried out. He's going to be an irritant to you. And, and so he says that. I mean, here's the people. Whew, buddy, I am so glad we made it. They begin to settle up, build up their house, focus on their, I've got baseball, I've got this. Okay, God, I'm going to build, here's my yard, there's my garden. All right, God, i got the two-car garage going on here. God, we made it, man. My, yeah, my grandparents, they struggled and they struggled and they struggled. Man, my grandparents were poor as poor could be. Right. You know, and then but now today, God, man, I thank you, Lord, for all that you've done in those people's lives. We're so blessed. We're so blessed, God, that you you we are a blessed nation. We, we, we've been blessed, God. And, and we think we think about all the blessings, God. Oh, so. But what happens is they settled without finishing the task. All of the land had not yet been conquered and all the giants had not been run out and all of the enemy had not been. There were still pockets of things. You know, sometimes that's how it is. We get to this place in our life and we say, God, whew, I'm not what I once was. Thank God that I am what I am now. Wait, that's not how it goes, right? We, God, I want to grow closer to you. God, there's still things in my heart. Lord, I want you to get out. But no, no, I'm good. Going to church, paying my tithes. I'm not cussing like I was. I'm not drinking like I was. You know, I'm not running around like I was. But God, hmm, I'm blessed. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. But you know what? And there might be some unforgiveness in there, but it's okay. I'll make heaven. There might be some, some sin issues in there, you know, but it's not going to ruin my marriage. You know, there's a little bit of lust over here, a little bit of lust over there. It's all right. It's not going to ruin my marriage. It's okay. I got it under control, guys. Just a little bit, you know. Or maybe I slip a few drinks or cuss words or here or this or there now. But you know what? It's all right. God, I'm blessed, right? And when I'm settled down, I'm just living life. Just nobody bother me. And we begin to compromise, we begin to kind of settle with the enemy in our midst. And they traded adversity in the wilderness and fighting battles for apathy. Sometimes the enemy is not out there. It's really right here. And we're trading this apathy uh, for adver- adversity for apathy. And, and, and the, what God is wanting to do in your life is actually incomplete. And it's kind of like this. We want the mountains of God sometimes to be a plateau. God, if I could just stay here in blessing, I'll be okay. That wasn't what God had called them to. And what they had done is they had gotten to this fertile plain. They said, man, God, this is a fertile valley. This is a fertile hill. You know, it was the plain and the valley of the enemy. You've got to be careful. Sometimes the enemy's territory looks really good and delicious, right? Like I said, the grass is greener on the other side kind of thing, right? They begin to settle in enemy territory, conquering it without actually conquering it their sanctification basically was not complete they had not allowed the fullness of god's presence to sanctify every home every life to their marriages to their finances to their hearts worship and so they they allowed some mountains in this valley region to still be fortified of giants of the pagans and they begin to compromise then comes this dude named caleb i love caleb 85 years old, been there from the very beginning. Caleb comes on the scene. He says, Joshua, 
I'm not done yet. God's not done yet. I'm not settling down. There's still more to be done. Let me take that city on Mount Hebron. That's the city of the giants that I first saw many years ago. That's the place of praise that God is going to give me in my life. And so he, at 85 years old, gets his bands together, charges like Don Quixote, for those of you who took English lit when you were young, 85 years old, in this little suit of armor, charging maybe on this little donkey. You just see it. It's awesome. Just fortified giants, tall nine-foot guys, poles and blood and, and guts and spikes. 85-year-old old on his little donkey in armor, just, you know, charging towards the city. That's my place of praise. That's the place God gave me. His angels go before me. He said he'll drive them out. He said, if I would but trust him and do not fear, he's going to take it out for me. We don't know how it happened, but they show up. They wipe that place off. Hebron becomes the city of David many years later, the capital of the, of the territory of Judah, the place of praise. He doesn't stop there. He says, no, 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 no. It's not done yet. Yeah, I got one mountain, but there's still some more enemies in my heart, in my life. The next hill is called Jerusalem. I need a band of people who are a people of faith. I need some young men of valor who are saying, God, we want to take everything you've promised us and run with it, God. We want everything, God, you have for us. If there's any, any, anything in my life, God, anything in my life, Lord, that does not please you, God, take it out. I want the glory of God to reside there. They go and they take the place of Jerusalem, becomes this temple. Years later that Solomon would build where the Holy of Holies would rest because they did not settle in the valley for good enough. They were breaking the status quo and say, God, we know that you have not called us to stay in the valley, but God, you call us to go from mountain to valley to mountain to valley to mountain. God, that is how it works, God. We want you to keep conquering all these places the enemy has set up, but God, you had said, that's my mountain of praise for you. That's where I want you to go. Don't just stay where you are. Trust me. Be filled with my glory. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. And trust me to fight the battles for you. Someone in this room today has got a mountain of praise that's yet to be conquered. Maybe it's some great giant king that still lives there. Maybe it's some desert road you've got to go through. You're still in the valley. The enemy's all around you. But trust God and keep expanding His kingdom in your life. God's got a plan. I'm going to close with this. There's one great mountain, valley, mountain experience that everyone in this room should know, and that is Jesus Christ. It, everything that you read in the Bible has got to come back to Jesus. All right, follow me. Now, I promise I'll wrap it up. Jesus shows up on a Mount of Olives. It's Palm Sunday. Man, it's a great mountaintop experience with Jesus. Man, we're having this awesome Hosanna worship. Jesus gets to the top of the mountain, and while everyone is having this awesome church service, praising the King of Kings, you know what he's doing? He's looking ahead to the valley, and he's looking ahead to the next mountain. Now, if you would know in Israel, the, the Mount of Olives is right next to the Temple Mount, and it's just a big hill, really. It's a hill, goes into a valley, and goes up to the hill where the temple rests. Jesus tops this mountain. Man, the glory of God is shining. The Hosanna in the highest is praising Jesus is looking down into the valley. He's looking back up the next hill and he sees one hill. That's the Temple Mount where he'll be arrested and tried as a blasphemer. And he sees another little dip again and he sees another little hill. That hill is called Golgotha, the Mount of Calvary, where he'll be crucified again. See, Jesus sees the ebbs and flows. He gets his disciples and he goes down and at the, uh, they have this awesome upper room experience, you know, Jesus washes their feet. And he takes his disciples down the Mount of Olives. 
to the very edge of the valley. The valley is called the Kidron Valley. The, and there's a little brook, the brook of Kidron that runs in it. And at the, you know what the edge, at the edge of that mountaintop experience and the edge of that valley is? You know what that place is called? It's called Gethsemane. And in that place, Jesus began to weep in agony. He prayed and he sweated drops of blood. And in that place, when he knew, he knew, as I enter into this valley, and we all go through valleys, as I enter into this valley, I'm going to be bound by the chains of the enemy. And as I enter into the next mountain, I'm going to be arrested and tried. And in the next one, I'm going to be crucified for all of these people who are back here praising my name. Jesus Christ made the decision that night to go through the valley ahead of you and I. And not just to that, but to conquer on that great mountain where the devil reigned on the mountain of the skull. He said, I'm going to make it a mountain of praise. And he took that chain and he said, and it bound by the enemy. He goes through that book of, brook of Kedron, arrested. He goes, he takes on the blasphemy, he takes our beatings, he takes our stripes, he takes our penalty of death. He goes and he takes that cross and he lays it upon his head and he goes to the next valley. You know what that valley is called? It's called the Via Del Rosa, the way of suffering. And he took the next valley for you, not only in chains of the enemy, but he took it in the way of suffering for you and me. And today, if you want to identify with Jesus Christ, you go to a mount called Calvary, and it's a mount of praise. Amen? Amen. God, hallelujah. God has taken out every giant in your way. He's gone through every valley of suffering. He's gone through every valley of chains, of defeat of the enemy for you and for me. And I'll tell you one thing. He descended on a mount of olives, and when he descended, he said, wait until uh, the power comes from high, because he says, I'm going to be with you. Go, therefore, into all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and, and lo, I'm going to be with you to the end of the age, meaning I'm going to send my spirit down to go with you. Remember Moses, God, I can't go anywhere without your spirit. Don't take your glory from me. Just like us. Today, we cry out, God, send us your glory. He's sent down on a Mount Zion. Mount Zion is right next to the Mount of Golgotha. And on that mountain, they receive the Holy Spirit in a new way. And today, you and I, just like the children of Israel, just like the the Israelites, we can say, God, because of the Mount of Calvary, God, I know that you have created a place of praise in my life. And Lord, there is another mountain that I can receive the fullness of the Holy Spirit, Mount Zion, Lord, the, the city of David. That's where the Holy Spirit came down in the upper room and baptized them in, in flames and tongues of fire and filled them with the presence of God to go out of this place, not to stay on one mountain. They didn't stay there in the upper room, but they went out. And your life today, there is going to be valleys and mountains. And most of the time, you and I are going to live in the valleys. But it's okay because Jesus is with you. He's gone before you and His power is upon you. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Worship team, would you come?